Hey everyone, what's going on? Steve here. As always, just want to say what's up. How's everybody doing? Happy New Year! We are officially in 2020. I hope your new year was brought in with those you loved. I hope you rung in the new year with some cheer. I hope you're looking forward to all the amazing things that we are going to do, we are going to accomplish in the year of 2020. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about a movie that I saw yesterday. Uh, I very much liked it. It's a movie that I've been wanting to check out in the theaters for a while. I went and saw, with my wife, Jojo Rabbit. Let me tell you, folks, if you have a chance to see this while it is still in the theaters, because who knows how much longer it's going to be in the theaters, please do yourself a favor and go check out Jojo Rabbit. It's a movie that's going to make you laugh. It's a movie that's going to make you cry. It's a movie that's really going to make you think about things in your life. Set in World War II, in Germany, about a little boy that wants to be a Nazi. That's all I'm going to say. It's from uh, the director of Thor Ragnarok and What We Do in the Shadows, uh, I, I don't want to try and pronounce his name because I always butcher it. Uh, he was also part of The Mandalorian. Have you seen The Mandalorian? It was amazing. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, let's see what we have opening this week in the theaters. Steve, tell us about it. Opening this week in the theater, we have The Grudge. Now, I'm not sure if this is a remake of the remake, or if this is a continuation of the film series that came out more than a decade ago. Either way, I have not seen a trailer, nor have I seen a poster for this film. It's probably going to be right in and out of theaters, straight to on-demand, to DVD and Blu-ray. I, for one, will not be checking this movie out in the theaters, there is a small chance that I will be checking it out should it come onto one of the local streaming services. This will be the only film that is new coming out this week. So with that, let's see what our top five films are in the box office. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Coming in this week at number 5 in the box office, we have Spies in Disguise with $13.4 million. Coming in at number 4, we have Little Women with 16.8. Number 3 is Frozen 2 with 16.9. Number 2 is Jumanji The Next Level with $35.3 million. And once again, coming in at number 1 in the box office, we have Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker with $72.4 million. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the top five films of the week. I can't wait to see who takes the throne next week. And with the top five in the theater behind us, let me say, Happy New Year. It's 2020, folks. I hope that you rung in the new year with friends and family, people that you love near and dear and hold to your heart. 
With 2020, we have a chance to start anew as we do every year. And all I'm going to do is continue to try and spread forward the message of positivity, that PMA, that positive mental attitude, trying to ride that wave and being the best that we can possibly be every single day. Let's not let that negativity bring us down. Let's take that negativity and turn it into positivity. Let's start doing the things that we want to do. Let's start writing. Let's start singing. Let's start loving. Ladies and gentlemen, today on the show, I bring you Kevin Kraft. He's a gentleman that has been on Doug Loves Movies several times. Not to mention, I do mention it. I was a guest on Doug Loves Movies at one point. Kevin was one of the two people that was on the panel with me. It was Kevin Kraft and it was Sam Levine. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin has his own podcast. He's the co-host of a show on XM Radio. We mentioned that on the show. I'm going to get right into the episode. I want nothing but love and positivity for all of you in 2020. I love you all. I love the energy that you bring. I love the fact that you tune in every week to check out my show. I'm just some dude on the street and you're taking the time to listen to me ramble about movies, telling the same stupid stories I tell to all my new guests. I love every single one of you. If you have the time, please rate and review. I could use some five stars. I could use some good reviews. Hit me up on Instagram. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what is going on. Happy New Year! 2020 is going to be amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, tip the veal. Try the staff. Happy New Year. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the last podcast you'd want. Steve here today with another great episode. It's another guest from Doug Loves Movies, but besides that, he's the co-host of the Jason Ellis Show on Sirius XM 103, and he has his own podcast, The Mad Scientist Party Hour. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you Kevin Kraft. Kevin, how are we doing today? Good, man. How are you doing? I am doing very well. I've had a good day of work. Uh, I was playing video games as we had discussed right before this, uh, and we're we're doing the show, and I'm I'm happy to have you on. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for thanks for inviting me on. Absolutely, uh, and and this will be fun uh, just to start because you may or may not remember, but you once were part of Doug Loves Movies with Sam Levine, where an audience member competed against two other audience members to compete on stage with the two of you. That was in San Diego, I believe. It was in San Diego, 2017. It was the day before Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was me. No shit. No shit. That, that hell- was... Say again? I, oh, no, I just said hell yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> what, a, what an interesting coincidence. Right? So uh, it, it's, it's fun. I actually uh, found out that night uh, you and I have a similar friend as well uh, in your cousin Amanda. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's great to just kind of bring it back around. Uh, I'm hopefully getting Doug on soon. Uh, but okay. uh, but I'm, I'm happy to have you on as, as someone that I've, I've competed against and have met and, and have had a fun time with. Oh, yeah, this is awesome. Excellent. Well, with that, we're going to jump into uh, one of the questions I always love to start with. Uh, have you at any point ever walked out of a movie in the movie theater? 
Um, I came close when I was a kid because uh, my, my mom had me young and raised me a single parent. So that's kind of where my love for movies came from. We didn't really have too much to do and a lot of means to do it. So I loved movies and my mom took me to the movies pretty much every weekend. And, you know, in the 80s, I think it might have even been before PG-13 was invented. You know, PG got away with some sketchy shit. So we would just see commercials for things and go to the movies and have no idea what we were in for. And you'd get and you'd get things that your mother would be like, what did I just bring my son to? A little bit. And sometimes <laughs> like, I, I don't know how he's going to make it through this. The movies I almost walked out of out of fear were Beetlejuice. Oh, all right. And the Burbs. Oh, I'll, I very, very two good, uh, good films. I, I'm a big fan of both of those. Uh, Beetlejuice is my wife's favorite films. Uh, and the Burbs is easily one of my favorite Tom Hanks movies. Yeah, the, the part where he is getting roasted on a giant grill. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, like, the next like, door. Yeah, yeah, and his, yeah. Getting out of here. And I think we had reached the very last aisle, and I had a rare moment of bravery, and I was like, yeah, let, let's go back. Let's finish this out. And, and you did, and it's a good, it's a good one. Um, so other than that, uh, in your adulthood, you've never been disappointed with a film that you've just walked out on it. I actually might have once as an adult now even if a movie sucks ass i'll i'll tough it out just because i don't know you never know what'll happen or you might see a scene that's so stupid that you now have a funny story to tell people of course and, so there, or there's the rare case where it has that redeeming factor right at the end yeah uh but i mean on my, on my podcast we review movies pretty much every week so i want to be able to now that I'm, I'm doing that i have to finish every movie i just feel weird uh, stopping, but I think when I was, oh man, I don't know what year it came out, but me and a bunch of my friends went and saw Kung Fu Hustle, I think. Okay, Stephen Chow. And we got really stoned before we went into the theater, and I think we were expecting more of a straightforward Kung Fu movie with a little silliness, not something that was so cartoonish and over the top. Of and course. I think my friends were so weirded out by it that they left and I just left with them because I rode with them. That's understandable. Uh, I went with a group of friends. Uh, it's a film I haven't revisited, uh, but, um, oh, and I just hot rod, um, with Man. Andy Sandenberg. Um, I wasn't feeling it. Uh, I got up to about the power montage in the forest. Um, and I looked at my friends and I went, I don't know about you guys, but I think this is fucking stupid. I'm going to go see sunshine. And I went and saw Sunshine with, with, with Killian Murphy and Chris Evans instead. Um, and everyone tells me to, to, to revisit uh, Hot Rod. Um, and I love, like, I love Popstar and Never Stop Never Stopping, you know? Like, so I'm oh, you sure... Revisit. You have to revisit Hot Rod. It, it is a treasure of a movie. All right. Well, I, I, it's, it's, I'll have to check. Uh, I think it's either on, uh, on Hulu or Netflix. But if it's on there... Uh, I'll have to have my wife sit down and, and go through that one with me. Uh, but with the fact that, that you are uh, reviewing movies on, on a daily, now are you doing that on, on the, mad, uh, uh, on the uh, mad Scientist pod, uh, Party Hour? Yes. Okay, excellent. Yeah, well, it's kind of become a staple, a staple of the show. And now me and my buddies, we, 
if if I'm not going to see a movie that week, some one of them will make the effort to go see something so we at least have something movie-wise to talk about. Excellent. What was the last movie you saw in the theater? I actually went to a showing of Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Oh, so good. Which I didn't think I was going to have a chance to see because he's doing one of those touring showings of it. Of course. He, he does it at a theater, and then there's a Q&A and all that shit. And the, the L.A. showing sold out, like... In a heartbeat. Immediately, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still got such a massive following. So I thought I saw him tweet one time that the, every time he visits a, the, um, a city and shows the reboot, that would then open in theaters in that city. And I didn't see it in L.A. for such a long time. And then I saw Kevin tweet, I think it was last week, that like, hey reboots at the amc at city walk and i live right by like i can see the giant minion that sits on top of Universal <laughs> Studios from my apartment so I, was like, right. I gotta go I, I have to go tonight and i i got i i have this stuff it's like this cannabis syrup okay it's made to kind of look like promethazine like the liquid codeine that the rappers drink but it's uh, it's this syrup that's mango flavored and it's got a whole bunch of thc in it and my move now when I go see comedies is I bring that into the theater with me and I buy a Sprite and I just pour some of that in there and just get wrecked in the theater. So that there was, that was how I enjoyed Jane Silent Bob reboot. I had a nice giant leather, leather seat at the, the AMC, big ass cup of weed lean, and I, I enjoyed myself. And, and what are your thoughts on Jane Silent Bob reboot in the, in the View Askew universe? I mean, I, I saw Clerks for the first time when I was in eighth grade. And as a Kevin who is from New Jersey, I actually have family that live in Leonardo where the quick stop is. All right. Uh, that kind of like changed my whole life. It changed. It made me want to be a writer. It made me want to get into comedy. It changed the way I deliver jokes and stuff. So I've been a Kevin Smith fan since, you know, day one. And I it was an interesting movie. It was it was probably one of the most self-referencing, self-aware, fourth-wall-breaking movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I liked how it visited pretty much every single View Askew movie and tied up all the extended stories with a neat little bow. Whether a really weird crowbarred in Matt Damon scene that seemed to serve no other purpose than that, or the stuff with uh, Holden from Chasing Amy. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. I will say, um, I went and caught it uh, at the theater. So I live in Marietta, uh, Riverside County. They did uh, a double feature of uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back followed right up with Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. Nice. Uh, so I did get the chance to see Reboot in the theater. Uh, and, and everything that you just said, I completely agree on. Uh, I thought it was... Uh, great. There was a little introduction video beforehand. So it was Kevin and Jason Muse. And he was like, hey, guys, uh, just so you know, beforehand, this film may touch you in ways that might make you cry. Um, and I will oh. be 100. I will be 100 percent that that scene with Holden at the end. Yeah. Brought tears to my face like I <laughs> cried in the theater. I have no problem admitting that uh, so much to the point that I actually tweeted at Kevin Smith. I was like, fuck you, man. Like making me cry in a film I did not expect to cry in, uh, but but they outright said this is a film that makes fun of sequels. This is a film that makes fun of reboots. This is a film that makes fun of itself. 
Yeah. I, and I, I like what it brought to the table. Yeah, and I loved it. Uh, and it's, it's once again making me reaffirm uh, that I cannot wait for the next thing that Kevin Smith decides to do next. Yeah, I'll watch. I'll watch. He's one of those guys that gets a pass. I'll, I'll watch anything he puts out. Um, I'm also, I'm going to see. So I, I'm, I'm flying home to New Jersey tomorrow night on a red eye. You know, I've, I've been working late all week to try and get ahead of all the work and shit that I have to do and all the podcast stuff I have to do for my show. And I've, I realized that there's no way I'm going to see Star Wars, the new Star Wars until next week if I don't pull the trigger and go see it tomorrow morning. So I'm setting a self-record for the earliest movie I've ever seen in my life. I will be at the Sherman Oaks Arclight at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Holy jeez. <laughs> that is... Popcorn for breakfast. Pop- and heading straight popcorn to the- and hot dog for breakfast with a, oh, yeah. with, a, with a weed Sprite to finish it on down. <laughs> I might have to. I might have to cancel out the weed sprite. I get. I, you want to. You want to make sure you're awake for the movie. Yeah, and then I have to go to work, and I'm, I'm not very good at talking on the the radio or podcasting when I'm stoned. Absolutely, I'll I'll agree with you on that one. Um, that's great. What is a movie though? Uh, with with Star Wars, I mean this this may be that. What's a movie that you could just watch every day, no questions asked, whether it's background noise whether it's you have some time to kill and you're flipping the channels and you come across the last 20 minutes of a film? Hmm. Um, I mean, I've got my basic bitch answers like Big Lebowski and Fight Club. Um, those, those are great answers. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say uh, I've been doing the podcast for a year uh, and, and no one, I mean, people have answered Lebowski for different things, but a movie that they could watch every day. Uh, I don't think anyone said Lebowski. No one has definitely said Fight Club. And I, I, I love Fight Club. I remember watching Fight Club fucking time after time after time when I was a teenager when that came out. I also think Scott Pilgrim versus the World falls into that category for me. All right. I fucking five. Edgar Wright. That's that's a great one. Uh, I'm a big I, Oh go ahead. No, I, I was just gonna say I'm a I'm a big Edgar Wright fan, so I okay. could definitely do Scott Pilgrim. What were you gonna say? My I guess my um Unusual answer for that would be Get Smart. Okay. Uh, Steve Carell, Anne Hathaway. Yeah. That's, you know what? I, I, uh, I worked in a movie theater for many, many years. Uh, one of the great perks of that is seeing movies for free. Uh, so, uh, you know, I've only twice walked out of movies that I, I did not pay to see. Uh, but I saw Get Smart, and I've watched it a couple times since then. Uh, it's a good little chuckler. Uh, it's got a great wide variety of a cast. Um, not to mention Steve Carell is just fucking hilarious on like everything he does. Yeah, and it's 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 very goofy and it's silly and it's slapstick, but there's some really well written jokes hidden in that that I don't think people would see coming. And it's it is one of those movies that I can put on at any time if I'm in a bad mood. That one cheers me up. When, when I first moved to Los Angeles, I didn't know anybody out here. I didn't have a job lined up. I just pulled the trigger and moved to L.A. And it never the magnitude of it never really dawned on me until I was actually here. And then once I got moved in, I was like, oh, fuck, now what? I'm 3,000 miles away from my friends and family. And I, I, got, I went through like a little bit of a rough patch. I was super bummed out. And I could put on Get Smart at any time, and it would instantly cheer me up. 
And that's a good one. Yeah, it's it's Get Smart is great. Uh, and I'm I'm right there with Lebowski just this Halloween. Uh, that's I was the dude. I I I was very uh, lazy about it, and I had a bathrobe and a white Russian, and I, I walked around all night with my sunglasses on, and everyone got the gist of it. It's a comfortable way to go through Halloween. Sometimes you gotta be you gotta be careful with your Halloween costume choices. You might look cool, but when you're in that thing for two hours, and start getting hot, uncomfortable, and itchy, it's sweaty. The, yeah, if you're the dude, you're fucking chilling all night. Absolutely. Well, that's why. That's I mean, I'm not gonna lie. That's why you just got the pocket full of joints. You're just <laughs> ready. You're just ready to go at, at any given point. Um, what's a What's a movie that uh, that takes you back to your childhood to a more youthful time? Mm. Oh, I mean, Beetlejuice for sure. Okay. Um, Caddyshack, actually. Yes. All right. I fucking I love Caddyshack. Uh, I love hearing just the continuous stories. Like I hear a lot of the same stories, but you hear the stories about how Ted Knight was continuously upset because they'd always be partying and how his part was actually supposed to be much larger as Dredd Schrabel's, but it got dwindled down because of Rodney Dangerfield and Chevy Chase. Yeah, I hear he he suffered no fools and did not appreciate the fuckery and the improv that was going on on set. Absolutely. I, I love Caddyshack. Caddyshack is a film uh, that I could watch every day, no questions asked. Uh, yeah. I love Bill Murray. Uh, for me, uh, Bill Murray makes that movie. That movie is amazing on its own, uh, but Bill Murray and Rodney Dangerfield, just for me alone, those two characters, I could watch separate films on just those guys, and I'd be perfectly happy. Yeah, I, I love Caddyshack. When I, when I grew up, my mom, my mom and I still lived at home with my grandparents and my mom had, you know, sisters and a brother. So I have an aunt and uncle that are uh, about 10 to 13 years older than me. So they're kind of like a big brother and sister. And they they loved Caddyshack and it was on all the time. And I just saw a lot of it by proxy because I was too young to be like, oh, Kevin can't be in the room for this R-rated movie. It was like, oh, Kevin's too young to get any of these jokes and to get the dirtiness of it. So I saw it in like sections and my family watched it so much, I saw it a whole bunch. So it was one of those movies I was exposed to very young as a kid. And then I continually, continuously watched it as I grew up. And the more I watched it, the more I got the jokes, the more I was like, oh, that's what he meant when he said that. That's why my aunt and uncle laugh every time that line is said. Of so course. It's become like a, like a warm blanket for me. It's like I feel comfortable when Caddyshack is on. That's great. Uh, one thing I love about Caddyshack, it wasn't until a couple years ago uh, that I learned uh, the main love interest of the main character uh, is also the uh, teenage girl from uh, National Lampoon's Animal House. Is she? The... the Irish girl. Oh, 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 her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maggie? Yeah. Ma- I think it's Maggie, and she ends up being the, uh, the cashier clerk uh, that hooks up with Amadeus. In, uh, in Animal House. Yeah, I think I've only seen Animal House like twice in my life, and it's been, it's been a very long time. Oh, all right. I, I highly recommend going back. I love Animal House is, is one of those films for me that, that I could definitely uh, watch every day, and it also does take me back uh, to a more youthful time. It's much like a situation uh, with yourself where I had family that loved it, 
and uh, I watched a lot of it and I didn't get a lot of the jokes, but they let me stay around because I was young and didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they always covered my eyes during the titties and Caddyshack, which, you know, bummed me out. Oh, of course. But, well, you get you get older and, and you know, you, you find out what your eyes are being covered from. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that leads to magical viewing. When I got to watch it when no one was around, I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, the good stuff um <laughs> that that kind of leads into our next question uh childhood crush uh did, did you have one did you have a couple of of just female celebrities that you know you had a thing for oh yeah yeah when i when i was a kid i fell in love with like a different actress and it seems like every week probably but early on i remember uh, i really liked christina ricci when i was a kid Mm-hmm. It was weird because she kind of grew up in Jersey. All right. Uh, oh, here's a weird one. So I, I apologize regularly to my mom for this, but when I was a kid, I had a giant crush on Kirstie Alley for some reason. Okay, I could see that. Look who's talking. And she was on Cheers. and Yeah, and my mom watched Cheers a lot, and I always thought she was hot. And then when Look Who's Talking came out, we went and saw that. And I thought she was super hot in that movie, too. And every weekend, she, she would be like, all right, so what movie do you want to go see tonight? And I'd be like, look who's talking. She's like, again? I'm like, yeah. And I, I just wanted to keep going back so I could see Kirstie Alley. Yeah, it's that I, little scene where she's dancing for Mikey, and she goes, don't look at mommy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, bro, I, I feel you 100%. I... <laughs> My poor fucking mom sat through Look Who's Talking seven times. Seven times. Seven times. Did it eventually leave the theater or did she just put her foot down and say no more? Uh, I might have gotten distracted by a new shiny object. There might have been a new movie came out that I just had to see. But for a good seven week run, it was Look Who's Talking every week. And I felt as an adult now, I'm I'm so bummed out that I, I... Forced my poor mother to sit through that piece of shit in the theater seven times. But such a great cast. Christy Alley, John Travolta, Abe Vigoda. <laughs> no, yeah, I brutal. Oh, that's so funny though. Seven times. Yeah. I I the only when I was a child, I uh, the only film that I saw repeatedly, uh, and it scared the shit out of me the first time I saw it, and then I wanted to see it over and over again. And that was Jurassic Park. And I was I was in sixth grade, and I saw that in the theater nine times. Oh, damn. Yeah, the theater... Well, the funny thing is, I want to say that's a PG-13 film. And I was in ninth grade, or I was in sixth grade, so I was like nine to ten years old. Uh, and the theater just... I went there so much that my parents would buy the ticket and leave, and they would just let me go see it by myself. The theater was like, oh, you're here all the time. You're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Go, 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 go. Oh, shit. <laughs> and the only thing that ever scared me were the raptors uh like the first two times i saw that scared the shit out of me after that i was i was good and i fucking loved it um pretty brutal kills in that one like when the lawyer gets eaten off the toilet the lawyer i i specifically remember uh sam jackson's hand the hand landing on laura dern's shoulder and she goes oh mr arnold and she pulls away and it's it's just like it's just it's like from his elbow like up and it just, I remember that just scaring the living bejesus out of me. 
But moving on, uh, do you happen to have a, a favorite uh, director, someone who has a collective work you like, or someone who's still making films that you look forward to? I mean, we mentioned him already, but it might be Edgar Wright. Oh, perfect. I, what, what is your favorite Edgar Wright film? I got to go Shaun of the Dead. The, fir- the first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was a big... I still am. I love zombie movies. I think the idea of a zombie is just as terrifying as it gets. It is something you can't talk your way out of. You can't negotiate with. They overwhelm you. And it is not a fun death. Being just bitten to death is a, is a pretty brutal way to go. And I, I always love zombie movies, but when Shaun of the Dead came out, I was like, who's this motherfucker goofing on zombies? I thought it was... I interpreted it as disrespectful, so the first time I saw Shaun of the Dead, I didn't really like it. And then somebody was talking it up at a party or at a friend's house or something, and they put it on and made me watch it again after I said I didn't like it. And I think without my haterade interfering, I, I watched it objectively, and I was like, oh my god, this is, this is brilliant. And it was one of those, I mean, I've seen it dozens of times now, but it was one of those movies where every time you watched it, you caught a new nuance, you caught a clever little writing twist or something that was planted early on that paid off later, jokes you didn't catch. It's like the Russian nesting doll of movies. Absolutely. Uh, I love Shaun of the Dead. There hasn't been a film uh, that Edgar Wright has made yet that has disappointed me. Um, my, my, fun little, my fun little Edgar Wright story is uh, I used to frequent San Diego Comic-Con quite often. Um, and I used to walk the autograph floor, uh, and met all the people. And I was told I could meet the director and actor of a movie that was coming out. And I went and I stood there for like 10 minutes talking to them. I didn't get a photo cause I didn't think much of it, but it was Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg and they oh, were shit. promoting Shaun of the dead. <laughs> so like I have an eight by 10 somewhere of Simon Pegg and Nick Frost in the scene when they're zombies walking to the bar and both Simon and Edgar signed it. But like, it's one of those things that I always look back and kick myself because like, I got a sticker, I talked to them, I met them, I had no idea how big they were going to be. Like, I was just like, oh, good for these guys from England coming over here and making a movie, like making a movie and so, you know, putting it out. But, you yeah, know, you see those things. Yeah, but everything he's done, I've always, I've always been a fan of, uh, previously mentioned Scott Pilgrim versus the world um, is one of those films much like Shaun of the Dead, every time I watch it, I catch something that I didn't notice the time before. Yeah. Prime, prime example. The world is, is stellar. It's, it's in my top five favorite movies of all time. Oh, all right. I, that's, I'd say it's, it's easily up there for me. Uh, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit more of, a, of an old-timey movie kind of guy. I'm a big Mel Brooks fan. So a handful of his stuff is easily in my you know, top five to ten. Yeah. Um, but I love Shaun of the Dead. Uh, Hot Fuzz, I went and saw in the theater like two or three times uh, because I, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, I like that he uses a lot of the same actors. Uh, one of the, uh, I believe he plays David in Shaun of the Dead. He's the dickhead boyfriend. Yeah. Um, he was on his own British show <laughs> called Black Books. Oh, yeah. I've seen a couple episodes of that. I fucking love that show. Yeah, it's pretty um, good. And with that, you, you have the multiple characters, like the man that plays Manny on Black Books is in Hot Fuzz, yep. and, he, and, and he plays the twins. 
Um, but yeah, Edgar Wright, everything he does is great. Uh, I definitely look forward to anything that he has uh, coming out. Um, I got to and see what whole thing with, with um, Edgar Wright, uh, when World's End came out, the Arclight did a triple feature showing in the Dome. And they started with Shaun of the Dead, then went to Hot Fuzz, and they timed it out where Hot Fuzz ended at midnight. And then they did a midnight showing of... Um, at World's uh, End. Yeah. That, that is amazing. And it was uh, moderated by Bill Hader. So in between movies, he brought out Edgar and Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and, and talked to them. And I think Tarantino was sitting front row just watching it. Oh, that's amazing. He was just there to, to take it all in. That's awesome. And Bill, I mean, of, uh, of all the moder- moderators, like Bill Hader is amazing. Um, the one thing I'll always wonder on Edgar Wright is I'll always wonder what he had in mind. And I'd, I'd love for him just to get on film and really talk about what his vision was and what he wasn't able to do with Marvel's Ant-Man. Yeah. Yeah, because um, when you watch Ant-Man, I, I feel like I can pinpoint the Edgar moments. Yeah. Oh, man, that is such an Edgar Wright shot or a sequence. Right. Just the, there's little lines that Paul Rudd has that, that, I, that, that you could be like, okay, I can see where that influence was there. But I'd love to know just because, you, you, know, you know, Marvel, once it was all said and done, they came in because uh, there was some kind. He wouldn't like the direction they wanted to take it. So I would love to know just the vision that he truly had, uh, especially with, you know, no one was doubting that Ant-Man wasn't going to be great. Like, there isn't a film that Marvel's made so far that, you know, I haven't disliked. There have been ones that I've been like, well, it was a movie. I didn't hate it, but it was a movie. Yeah. I, but, I like, because I, I was so excited, because I'm, I'm a huge Marvel fan. I'm, I'm a comic book junkie. And when I heard that Edgar Wright was going to be doing Ant-Man, I was like, oh, my God, this is the fucking greatest. Like the Marvel Universe and Edgar Wright coming together is just like a match made in movie heaven. And when he got when he left the project, I kind of had like a bad taste in my mouth about Ant-Man. I was like, ah, fuck this movie. They probably fucked it up. And surprisingly, I still loved it. Even though I went into it a, a little a little bummed out, I still thought it kicked ass. And that, that sequence when Michael Pena is like telling a story and then it just kind of plays out, but he's doing the voice of everybody talking in that scene, mm-hmm. that, was, that has to be an Edgar Wright scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's, that's, so that, that right there is, is all right, all right. So we're going to go to mom's. Sorry, Bill. Boom. We're going to do yeah. this. We're going to do it. Yeah, 100%. I can I completely see that. I love that so much. You, you see the memes that are just like any Marvel film. Like Endgame, I really think should have started with Michael Pena. Like giving a, here's what's happened so far. Yeah, yeah. Recap the, the last 10 years of movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but just have it be that whole Ant-Man type sequence. Uh, being, being a fan of Marvel and comic books, uh, what would you say is your favorite comic book movie? Ooh. Uh, and then that's, not, that's, that's limiting it to... Ever, that, that, that's not just Marvel. It's Marvel, DC, everything they've made. Interesting. All right. I mean, I'll, I'll excuse... Just for the sake of conversation, I'll take uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world out of it. Okay. Um, I did really like Dread. 
I mean, it's oh. it's hard to fuck with Guardians of the Galaxy, the original. Mm-hmm. But I'd say like non-team standalone superhero movie is Doctor Strange. Okay, I'm. I love Doctor Strange. I really love Dread. Uh, Carl Urban is an amazing actor. Uh, Dread. I uh, came back. You know Thor Ragnarok. Uh, yeah. He's he's in uh, the Good Boys right now on Amazon. Oh yeah, the boys. Yeah, oh, the boys. The boys. Yeah. Uh, great roundabout actor all around, and I loved Dread. Uh, such an amazing film. Uh, even even um, so much beyond Stallone. And a lot of a lot of people. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about Judge Dread, um, but I saw it at a young age where I thought everything was funny. Um, so I don't really have bad memories of that film. Um, I can recognize it as a garbage film, uh, but I can rewatch it with child eyes and just laugh at the stupid shit that I laughed at when I was a kid. I don't know if I've ever seen Judge Dredd. I've so, seen pieces of it. So you know the big, you know the big thing with Judge with with that film, right? No, he takes his helmet off. It's like one of the first things he does. Oh, <laughs> it's Stallone playing Jed. And one of the first things he does is he gets back to the thing. He's like, all right, time to go off of work. And he just takes his helmet off. And then, like, yeah, the rest of the film, he doesn't, he, yeah. Dread, like, 100% takes his helmet off. He probably has something in his contract somewhere, like, hey, you got me in the movie. You got to see my face. Yeah. I, I mug like that hidden behind a helmet. Uh, you think Carl Urban would say the same thing, but that, that man was uh, amazing. <laughs> And kept that helmet on the whole time. Yeah, with that that scowl. <laughs> Absolutely. That scowl the entire runtime. Speaking of keeping a helmet on the entire time, this is not movie related, but with it being out, I w- I've been asking like fans, uh, uh, guests, are you watching The Mandalorian? Yes. Uh, I was initially not going to get Disney Plus because I was like, I don't see what I need a streaming service for Disney movies for. And then when I heard that they were going to bring back Clone Wars, I don't know if you've ever watched Clone Wars. Um, was, I, I caught the very beginning of Clone Wars, and then we lost cable. I, I was a, a late adopter to Clone Wars. I had somebody tell me, like, dude, you have to watch it on Netflix. It completely redeems the, the, the prequel trilogy. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And it, it blew me away. It was so fucking cool. And just... Them announcing that there were going to be new episodes of that on Disney Plus, I was like, ah, I submit. Fine, you get more of my money. The mouse gets more of my fucking money. So yeah, I, I kind of just that. That's how I ended up with Disney Plus. But then you know, obviously having stuff like The Mandalorian is a, a nice cherry on top, and I've been I've been digging it. Uh, what was the last uh, what was the last episode you saw? I'm current. Yeah, oh, I you're watched, current. I the one that came out yesterday. Yeah, uh, I watched, getting ready in the morning. I haven't I haven't watched that one yet. I'm I'm actually going to watch that one uh, right after I get off the phone with you. Um, <clears throat> I loved last week's episode though. Uh, I thought the cast uh, was amazing. Um, oh, fucking Bill Burr! <laughs> oh my God, Bill Burr! And I did not even realize that was Clancy Brown. Oh yeah, Clancy Brown and uh, Mark Boone Jr. Another one of my favorite character actors. Yeah, um, it wasn't until I saw online someone posted Clancy Brown. And I was like, oh, he was the big fucking horned red guy. Okay, that like makes total sense. I popped as soon as I saw Bill, though, uh, Bill Burr, though. 
um, my wife loves watching um, F, for, F is for Family. Yeah, I still got to check that out. Uh, it's Bill's car. It's, it's Burr's cartoon. So um, as soon as he popped on, I love doing that with, with random stuff that she watches and likes because she doesn't like connect names and faces because um, she, she doesn't care nearly as much for entertainment as I do. Um, she, <laughs> so I, I can connect stuff for her like that. So she sees Bill Burr on screen and I was like, oh, that's the guy that does F is for family. Uh, which which I think is hilarious. If you uh, haven't seen it and you like Bill Burr, uh, definitely take the time, uh, maybe smoke a bowl, uh, and then and then watch it. And I think you'd really enjoy it. It's a really funny product. Yeah, what I like about Mandalorian is like it, you know, it, it does have that you know underlying plot that's strung through all the episodes, but they're all kind of like they're each one-off adventure missions, and that's kind of what I love about Clone Wars. Like sometimes they'll do they'll do a three episode arc or two episode arc or something like that, but they're they're all these just individual standalone stories in the Star Wars universe, and uh, that the that I feel like that's a bold, bold move to take a live action TV show, where it's just he's going to land on a planet, he's going to go on some adventures, he's probably going to get double crossed, and then he's going to fly off with Baby Yoda and kill some more bad guys yeah absolutely i love uh the one thing that i love and i've, I've mentioned the last i don't know two three times i've talked about the show uh i love the soundtrack i think the soundtrack uh is so spectacular it's a western in space and and the soundtrack that goes with it uh is 100 amazing let alone the fact that each each episode is basically just its own different it's just like you said, it's, it's just kind of its own story. We have an overall arc of everything of what we're, where we're going to, but we're just getting so many little ones in, inside of it that I'm just, I'm loving the series as a whole and I cannot wait to see where it takes us. Yeah. I hope, I hope it keeps going and I hope they keep that format of him just visiting cool new planets, interacting with weird new characters. And yeah, I, I, I don't need everything to just be one long strung out plot. It's nice to have something where you can just switch your mind off and watch a cool adventure. Absolutely. Um, being able to switch your mind off and uh, go to different places. Uh, do you happen to have a favorite genre of all the genres we have of films now? Uh, not particularly. No. I mean, I get, I, I like, I like everything. I'm such a movie nerd. Um, I can even fuck with some rom-coms and stuff, but I guess comedy is probably my, my favorite, but I don't know. I have movies that I just love wholeheartedly in, in every genre. You know, sure. sci-fi, horror, action, drama. I probably own more comedy movies, though, as I'm looking over at my, my Blu-ray collection. Okay. Uh, you mentioned horror. Uh, what would be one of your favorite horror films? This is one that gets mixed reactions, but I love High Tension. Hmm. Uh, what is that one about? It's it's a French movie, and it's about like these two girls who are taking a on break from college, and she the the one friend is going to stay with her, her like her roommate or her best friend with her family in the French countryside, and then this fucking sick psycho shows up and butchers the family and kidnaps the girl, and then it's just 
the main character trying to hunt this guy down and save her friend. And it's really gruesome. It's got a really powerful soundtrack and weird twists. And I think some people, it, some, some parts of the movie go a little too far for some people's stomachs. And some people don't like the twist. But I thought it was fucking great. All right. Well, high tension. That is um, something that, that <clears throat> the fans might have to go check out. Um, yeah, if you've never and, seen it, it kicks ass. It's, oh, it's a cool movie. Excellent. And with, with us being in the, the horror section genre, uh, do you happen to remember the first film uh, that's ever given you nightmares, if you've ever had nightmares from films? Uh, you know, I don't know if I've ever had one specific movie nightmare. Because when I was a little kid, I was a giant pussy. And for a little bit, I, was, I shared a room with my uncle. And at the time, he was a teenager working at a, a movie rental store. So he would, when, they, when the displays and the, the cardboard cutouts and shit would age out, the ones that he were th- they were going to throw out, he would just take some of them home. Sure. So he had, I had never seen a horror movie, and he had a cardboard cutout of Leatherface in our room. <laughs> and all these horror movie posters, and he had the poster for Fright Night and the poster for Return of the Living Dead Part 2, which oh, also features Doug Benson as a zombie. Uh, so I was terrified by these images all the time. I found the posters so scary. And I never watched a horror movie until I watched Freddy's Dead. And I was like, oh, these, these movies are fucking stupid. I, I have nothing to be scared of with, with these things. So I think as far as a movie-related nightmare, it's real loose. But when I was a kid, I had a dream that these alien robots came down. And they it was almost like lawnmower Roombas. But this was in the 80s, so there was no such thing as Roombas yet. Roombas. But basically, these things that would only stay on the lawn, and they just mowed everybody's lawns all day. And if you stepped on the lawn, the lawnmower mowed you up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> a spaceship landed, and Darth Vader got out of it. So I started running, and then a, bunch of ho- a whole bunch of orcs broke into the house, and one of them buried an axe in my head. So that's, I think, as, as loose of a movie-related nightmare as that I ever had. It was just Darth Vader making a cameo. And and then an orc uh, burying an axe in your skull. No idea where that came from. No, that's that's all that's all right. Um, so going to the movies a lot as a child, uh, and and ratings changing as they did. Do you happen to remember the first um, R-rated movie that your mom ever took you to? I do, and this was actually one that my dad took me to. My dad. Uh, snuck me out to go see an R-rated movie. And I remember being nervous going into it. I was like, oh man, what am I about to see here? And it was fucking Passenger 57. With Wesley Snipes? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Always bet on black. Yep. That is the (laughs) first R-rated movie I ever saw in the theaters. Wow, that is... um... That is that is that that's an exciting film. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't remember a lot about it, but I mean, I don't remember Wesley Snipes letting us down with much in the 90s. So, no, I think because, yeah, I'm looking at the IMDb page for it right now and it came out in 92. So I was 10. Um, 
Oh, wow, Tom Sizemore was in it? I don't even remember that. Yeah, it's funny looking back at films uh, when you were a child. Uh, I remember my aunt and uncle taking me to go see Michael Mann's Heat when it was out. And then uh, I rewatched it as an adult. And that film, in its own right, is just star-studded. Oh, yeah, that's an intense movie. It is, it is. Uh, there's one particular line. I don't remember the line. All I remember is the guy said the line, and it was some derogatory term to a woman about money on a counter. She was a prostitute. And all I remember is my uncle leaning over and going, I would very much appreciate it if you did not remember that line. And, <laughs> and it worked. I did to this day. I cannot tell you what the line was. All I could tell you is my uncle leaning over and being like, I would appreciate it if you didn't remember that. <laughs> yeah, and it was probably one of those things that wouldn't have even registered to you. Yeah. But him pointing it out, it's just like, oh, now that's sticking in my head. I'm sure if I rewatched the film, I could just point out the bit and be like, oh, that's the line he didn't want me to remember. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um <clears throat> So uh, one question uh, I always like to ask, uh, do you happen to be a fan of the Back to the Future films? Yeah. Okay, so. I, I rented Back to the Future very early on. Oh, excellent. What, uh, what are you, uh, is, is the first one your favorite of the three? Yes. I, I think I have more fond memories of the sequel because it had cool shit in it. Like, you actually went to the future. There was flying cars. There was hoverboards. The self-lacing Nikes. There was so much cool shit. But as a movie, from a storytelling perspective, it was not better than the first. Oh, no, not at all. But I will say the, the first one is much, or the second one is much more visu visually stimulating. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, yeah. and when, whenever I watch the second one, I always have the urge to watch the third. And then they do that little two-minute trailer at the end of the second one of essentially, like, the preview of what's going to happen in three. Uh, I watch that, and I go, oh, now I don't need to watch part three. I remember everything that happened. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird move. And I want to say it's one of the first times they ever filmed uh, sequels back-to-back -back with each other. Because I don't, I, don't I don't know of any movie doing that beforehand, but they filmed two and three uh, pretty much just back to back, like they did the yeah. Lord of the Ring films and they did the Hobbits. Yeah, that was weird because, like, yeah, thinking back to it now, I think I was seven when Back to the Future Two came out, so I I was old enough to see that in the theater. And then when they showed that trailer at the end, it wasn't like today where you've got you know Rotten Tomatoes and Ain't It Cool and Twitter where you're seeing all of this shit ahead of time. Like, oh man, they're they're filming these movies back to back. I didn't keep up with film news. I just went to the movies a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, then there was no internet back then, so... No, I'm like, oh, my, what the... There's going to be another one in a Western, and I can already see parts of it? This is fucking crazy. Yeah, um, and, then, and then it provided the film that it provided us with. I'm not... <laughs> I, have, I have a friend that absolutely loves... Like, he is like, part three is the best of them all. And I tell him he's crazy all the time. Yeah, that's because... a... That is a bold statement. My it, is a bold, it is a bold statement. Kevin Milburn is a crazy man. Yo, and, uh, another person named Kevin. Look there you go. We're weirdos. <laughs> my question, though, uh, that I always like, because me and my friends, we got super stoned one day, and I, I proposed this question, which led to like a 20-minute discussion with us. And it's really just a, a basic answer. 
when Marty goes back in time, the mayor is Goldie Wilson. And when he go when when he goes back, Goldie is working as uh, the the cleanup server in the restaurant. He looks at him and goes, "You're going to be mayor someday." And Goldie goes, "I am going to be mayor someday, Mayor Goldie Wilson." Do you think Goldie Wilson becomes mayor from his own destiny, or do you think he becomes mayor because Marty goes back in time and tells him you're going to be mayor? Uh, I don't think I am smart enough to compute time paradoxes. All right. That, that, that's, I think that is just one of those things where uh, it's, it must just be like a time constant. He was just destined. That was his destiny. Perfect. Uh, as we're ringing it up, uh, wrapping it up to, uh, to an end, um, do you happen to have uh, a listener recommendation, uh, a movie uh, that you love, that the, the viewers themselves may not know about, that uh, you think that people should watch? Hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I would say The City of Lost Children. Have you ever seen oh, that? Uh, I've heard of it. I don't know if I've seen it. It came out, uh, I want to say late 90s? I think it might have been, yeah, mid to late 90s. Uh, it's, it's a French movie by these two filmmakers, Marc Caro and Jean-Pierre Jeunet. They did Amelie. I think that's their, their biggest movie. But they're, they're, these French filmmakers and the stuff they make is just so fucking weird and quirky. It's so unique. And when you watch their other films, it just has that same unique thumbprint on all of it. Uh, and it's, it's incredibly bizarre. It stars Ron Perlman. And oh. he... I, uh, we actually interviewed him on the Jason Ellis show and I was asking him about it. And he... Is like, yeah, I don't know French. I pretty much just learned the lines <laughs> and just delivered it a whole movie in, in French. It's it's a really weird movie with this weird. Everybody in the movie is just weird looking. The set is so weird. Everything about it is weird, weird, weird. And there's like this creepy old scientist that's trying to steal the dreams of children. It's just bizarre start to finish, but it's. It's very interesting. That's that sounds awesome. Uh, even more point, uh, even more so when people watch it, they can watch it knowing that Ron Perlman uh, essentially has no idea what he is saying. Yeah, yeah, I found that really fucking weird. That's that's awesome. Um, uh, and and with that, uh, where can people find you online? Where can people find you uh, in the world? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Kevin Craft, and my Twitter is at Kevin Craft Sucks. And I have my podcast, as we mentioned before, is Mad Scientist Party Hour. If there's any Doug Benson fans listening to this, we did have Doug on for episode 420. It was over the summer, so it's a little buried in our iTunes feed, but uh, that one's definitely worth checking out. And if you're a SiriusXM subscriber, you should you should listen to the Jason Ellis Show on uh, channel 103. Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Uh, or 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. And then we have an immediate re replay following that. So we get a nice big six-hour block there on uh, Channel 103. Excellent. And uh, 
Uh, as always, people can find me uh, on Twitter at TLPYW, on Instagram at the last podcast you'd want. Uh, and as we wrap things up, uh, one thing I always like to uh, talk about, I do little introductions before the episode. Uh, I try and keep a PMA, a positive mental attitude. Uh, I always like to spread a, pos- a message of positivity. Uh, is there something that you would like to leave the fans with just words of inspiration or just like a, a little mantra that helps uh, keep you through the day and positive? I just say be you. Never be ashamed of anything that makes you happy. If you, for some reason, are a grown man and watching Barbie movies brings you joy, then uh, <laughs> I don't watch Barbie movies. <laughs> Where the fuck am I going with this? All I'm saying is if you like something that's out of character, who gives a fuck? Just, just go with it. Just you're be yourself. Comic books, flaunt that shit. Absolutely. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of The Last Podcast You'd Want. Uh, As always, uh, if you enjoyed it, please let Kevin know online. And folks, until next week, tip the veal, try the staff. I'll see you then. Ever wonder how your buddy got those exclusive wrestling superstar action figures? Finn Balor, or even that Ric Flair autograph 8x10 photo that you can't find in stores? Chances are they came from Pro Wrestling Loot, Professional Wrestling's most unique and fan-friendly monthly subscription box. Pro Wrestling Loot customizes a 5-7 to seven item mystery box for wrestling fans that includes exclusive t-shirts, action figures, collectibles, trading cards, pins, autographs, and more that you can't find anywhere else. Today, for all of our last podcast you'd want listeners, we have a deal for you. Just head over to ProWrestlingLoot.com and enter the promo code LASTPODCAST to check out to save 20% off your first box with Pro Wrestling Loot. With over 20,000 followers online and presence at some of the biggest conventions in the United States, including WrestleCon and StarCast, Pro Wrestling Loot just isn't a business. With ties to indie, mainstream, lucha libre, American, and European pro wrestling, Pro Wrestling Loot is always sending out the most unique items with you in mind over the last five years. Sign up today at ProWrestlingLoot.com for just $24.99 and start receiving your monthly Pro Wrestling Loot box. Plus, for a limited time, enter code LASTPODCAST and receive 20% off your first box. Pro Wrestling Loot. For the fan in all of us. Thanks for coming to see our show. Sad to tell you we got to go. Grab your hat and head for the door. In case you didn't notice, there ain't any more. If you like our show, tell everyone but.